When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we welcome you to this edition of Tuesday People, the podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Album, the author of the book Tuesdays with Maury, upon which this podcast is inspired. Lisa Goich, who would be inspiring all by herself. Oh, yeah, sure. She's here with us as always, and we're glad that you are here with us as well. Lisa and I, last week, uh, had the opportunity to see each other at a really lovely event and it is one of the reasons that we weren't able to do a podcast uh, last week because preparing for that and flying out to it. It was an event held in Los Angeles at the restaurant that was started and for many years run by Steven Spielberg's mother, who, by the way, has become kind of immortalized in the film The Fablemans, which yes. was a a an autobiography with the different names of Steven Spielberg's family. And you recall his mother who was uh, played by Michelle Williams in that, in that movie uh, did a fantastic job of, of portraying a very, um, shall we say eccentric uh, woman who had a lot of uh, interesting tastes. Uh, Steven Spielberg's mother, by the way, real name was Leah Adler. And she ran this restaurant called the Milky Way for many years. Uh, she lived until she was 97, I believe. So Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and a pretty energetic woman. And anyhow, um, her daughter, Nancy, who was a filmmaker in her own right, a documentarian, uh, kind of oversees the restaurant now and was kind enough to do an event there with me where I talked about my new book, The Little Liar, and we took questions and uh, it was a really nice event. Lisa was there. I loved it so much. I left there with just such happiness in my heart. It was just so nice. You know, I don't get to see your book things very often, right? Like I don't get to see you speak. So um, in that sense, but it was really great. And there was an audio visual aspect to it. And the people, everybody there was so nice. And of course, your family was there and friends and people I've known forever. And it was just like an old family night. I can't thank yeah. you enough. Like I, I had so much fun. Well, it was a really nice event and and we all enjoyed being there and and uh, talking about the new book and taking questions from people, a lot of great readers there. And But that's not what I want to talk to you about t today in the podcast. But there was one element to it that sparked some thought in my mind, and I think it's pertinent to today's show. Amongst the people in the crowd was Rob Schwartz. And <laughs> Rob, if the last name sounds familiar, is Maury's son. Maury and Charlotte had two sons, Rob and Jonathan. And Rob was uh, is living in Los Angeles now with his new wife, uh, Inez. She was there as well. And 
I talked some about Tuesdays with Maury. In fact, we put up some slides about it, and I told some stories about it. And and here was Maury's son, Rob, in the audience. Now, Rob, it's been many years since Maury passed away, 1997. And Rob, at the time, was living overseas and was building his career. And now here he is, what is it, you know, 28 years, 27 years later. And he has a wife. Uh, he has a new career in Los Angeles, a new life there. And I started to think how many of us try to think about our children and what legacies we're going to leave for our children and what our children will be like when we're gone. Ah, mm-hmm. What our children will be like when we're gone. Have you ever asked yourself this question? What will they do? How will they live? Who will they live with? Who will they love? And most importantly, I guess if perhaps egotistically, how will they remember me? Ah, How will they uh think of me? And when I was talking about Maury, I glanced over to my side and I saw Rob nodding his head, you know, at a lot of the stories I told and smiling. And I realized, of course, I'm telling a story about his father and he is reliving it. Everyone else was listening, you know, learning things for the first time. Rob was reliving the things that I was mentioning and that he had gone through. Now, it's an interesting relationship that we have with our children and with our parents. Maury talked to me in our conversations about how he remembered his mother who passed away, you recall, we've talked about this before, when he was only eight years old, yeah, very young, young. boy. Mm-hmm. And so now he was in a position early on to be remembering his mother and living without his mother. Yes. Very early on. What did he learn from the experience? I asked him that in one of our conversations. Here's what he said. The big internalization was the fact that the world is a dangerous place if you make attachments to things or people, they'll be snatched away. So you've better be careful. Don't put too much investment into things or people, because you're apt to lose them. That's what I internalized. And what I did is I was a good Jewish boy. I used to go from synagogue to synagogue to say Yiska. And I don't remember my father going with me, which is very strange, Mm. very strange. Every day you would say Yiska? I think Friday nights I would go, yeah, yeah. Or the Sabbath, I forget now. Uh, for a year. I did that. I don't know if I was conscientious every week or not. So now picture this in your mind. An eight-year-old boy who is remembering his mother now in what Yisker is the prayer of remembrance in the Jewish religion, and you are supposed to recite it for those you have lost for periods of time. There's There's rules about 
how often you're supposed to recite it in the first month that they're gone, the first year that they're gone, and then in all the years that that pass. But now, do you wonder, because I do and I did, what did Maury's mother, who was sick, you know, she didn't get hit by a bus or whatever. She was sick. She probably knew that she, at some point, that she wasn't going to be there much longer. What did she think about what her son would do when she was gone? I find myself with little Nadi now in our lives, who's two years old, and here we are in our 60s. I find myself thinking about this quite a bit now. Well, what happens, heaven forbid, if something happens to me? Nadi's still young. You know, how will she absorb my absence? You know, uh, what happens if something happened to myself and my wife? We were no longer in her life. Would she miss us? Would she remember us? Would she take some of the things that we've taught her already to this point? Or would we just become like some absent memory? You know, some vague recollection of these two people who held her and fed her. uh, But she really can't remember much because who remembers anything when you're two years old? When they're little. Yeah. What year do you start to become indelibly etched into your child's mind? So when Maury's mother passed away, let's say before she did, he was already eight. He had a relationship with her. So she didn't have to wonder, will he even remember me? But I'm sure she wondered, well, what's he going to do without me? How's he going to get by? Is his father going to remarry? Is there going to be a new mother in his life? Um, What will he think of me? You know, and these are questions that we inevitably think of as human beings, but we also can't control. Mm -mm. You know, they're out of our control. We can't we can't dictate. Well, and it's so hard when you're the age that Maury's mother was with a child the age that Maury was to have to have that burden. It's a burden as you're dying, right? To think what's going to happen to my son, what's going to happen to my children um, when I go, you know what I mean? It's, it's a tough, that's gotta be so tough because when, let's say you lose your, let's say your children are 40. Well, you know that they're pretty much on their way. Right. But at such a young age, I can't even imagine that I, I, I would, it would be so hard. Right. Well, it was hard even at an older age. You know, Maury and I talked about why he did not want Rob and John, his two sons, who did not live near him when he became ill. Neither one of them lived in Massachusetts. I think at the time John was living in California, if I'm remembering correctly, and Rob was living in in Asia. So they weren't close, and he did not insist that they changed their lives and come see him. And we had a discussion about this. Here it is. You make no demands on your children to be the people to do that. That's true. Because um, I wanted to live their lives. Yeah, but isn't, I mean, you gave, you gave your children a good part of your life. Yeah. Uh, you sacrificed a lot of your time and years. Uh, Why isn't that a fair payback? Well, if I expected it, it would be a fair payback. Why don't you expect it? Because I don't want this illness to ruin four lives. It's enough that it's ruining one. Mm. And that is me and my body. If I made that demand, Rob come back from your job, 
John quit your job, Charlotte quit your job, stay here and take care of me. I would feel that this illness had really conquered four times as much. So here, Maury is trying to steer his memory. He's trying to steer the way that he will shape the way that his children will remember him after he's gone. Mm-hmm. See, we're trying, he's trying, and this is what we do to say, okay, I don't want, I know I'm going to die. I don't want to ruin their lives and have them then when I die say, well, look at all the time I missed in my life or I had to take time out of it. So again, he's trying in his own way to sort of steer the way that he is remembered, the way that his kids will be after he's gone. This is a desire that I think we all have to some degree once we have children. Some people can have it with their work. I think creative people, for example, can have it with their work or really rich people can have it with their work. They start a company, for example, and they kind of treat their company, you know, I'm not, I don't mean this in an insulting way, but they kind of treat their company like their child, you know, like like something that they created, something that's living and breathing and going on. And, and they try to dictate, okay, I'm retiring from the company or I'm not going to be here for very long, but here's what I want to have happen with the company. I want this person to take it over and run it. I want it to always be involved in this. I want to airmark X amount of money going to charity from this. I want to put uh, my name on a building, uh, you know, or I want my family's name on the side of this building, or I want an endowment fund in the name of this. We, we do a lot to try to steer the way our baby, the company, is going to behave in the world after we're gone. Yes. But a lot of time it's because you put so much energy into it, right? Like I thought of that the other day when I saw, I I always buy Newman's own dog treats. And I was thinking about that. I was like, look at this. Paul Newman died a a while ago now. And his legacy still lives on through his products that all go to charity, you know? And, um, what a legacy, you know? Right. Well, that's part, again, that's part of a decision that he made uh, about what would happen after he was gone to the things that he had created. And I don't mean to um, correlate children and businesses, but in some ways, when it comes to our deaths, we do treat them in similar fashions. We want to steer them to a certain degree after we're gone. And to a certain degree, you can, but to a much larger degree, you can't. You can't. And this is, this is what I was sort of thinking when I was seeing Rob at the event. Maybe Maury didn't want Rob to move to Los Angeles. You know, maybe Maury would have said, any city but Los Angeles. You know, I think Rob is in the entertainment world. Maybe he would have said, don't go into the entertainment world. It's a terrible entertainment. You know, it's terrible. Don't be in it. But you can't control that. Maybe he wouldn't have wanted him to get married. He got married. You know, maybe he would have wanted him to get married. And but he took a while to do so. You can't steer things from this world for the world after you're gone. As much as we try, you can only plant things. We'll be back with more Tuesday people right after this. Thank you. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now, there's a big difference. There's a big difference between steering and planting. Planting, you can do your whole life. I try to look at what we're doing at our orphanage with our kids, the kids that we take in at the Have Faith Haiti mission who come from backgrounds that you know are so poor and have no opportunity. And we're able to bring them in and able to feed them, love them, nurture them, educate them, and set them on their way. We are planting seeds amongst the things that will grow our children who will become adults, who will, amongst other things, hopefully remember myself and Janine, my wife, in some fond way. I won't be able to steer that. Yeah. I won't be able to control it, but I will be able to plant the seed. And that you can do from here. So Maury planted the seed to have his son ultimately grow up, but but he can't steer it, can't control it, can't say, you know, listen, when I die, I still want to be telling you what to do. You need to be happy with the fact that you have put children into the world who in some ways are a reflection, a reflection of who you are. And that's all we really get to do is have the world reflected through the things that we leave behind after we're done. Here's Maury talked about that in a conversation that we had on one of our Tuesdays. And I want my kids, first of all, I think I conveyed to them certain ethical values that they're carrying out. I'd like to see those values live on through them and through their kids. Secondly, uh, the children are a way of, how should I put it, a form of immortality, if you like, 
because that's how you continue physically. Does that matter to you now more than it did yeah. 10 years ago? I think so. 10 years ago, you know, didn't think about it even. So what I think all of us like, because we have at least little egos, is to think that we're going to live on in some form. Mm -hmm. So if you have the spiritual form, we live on as a consciousness or a soul, that's great. But you don't know that, and I don't know that. Mm -hmm. But I do know that I have children who will then presume we have their own kids, and they'll know about their grandfather and stuff. And I do believe that statement I think I quoted to you, that death ends a life but not a relationship. That you continue the relationship in some way, and that, that will happen, you know? Death ends a life but not a relationship. That's the thing, about the only thing, that we can hope to try to steer after we're gone, is that relationship that we forged with people that we loved and people who we touched. And so when Rob was there in the restaurant, nodding his head at the stories that I was telling about his father, that's how the relationship goes on. Mm -hmm. He doesn't forget, he remembers, he honors. A lot of people went up to him. I introduced him you know, to the crowd while I was, was there. I said, by the way, Rob Schwartz, this is Maury's son, and you heard like a ripple go through. Uh -huh. like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> and I said, so if you want to know about Maury, you know, ask Rob, you know, and I'm sure people went up to him afterwards and did because, you know, Maury's become a known figure through the book Tuesdays with Maury, the movie and the play and stuff like that. So they people probably had questions. What was he really like? What was he, you know, was, was he similar to the way that we think? And so in that way, when you're discussed, when you're talked about, you live on. You live on, but you can't control that. And I think that there's a desire that we have to try to do that. And it's an understandable desire because we don't want to leave this world. Um, most of us, we don't want to leave it empty. We don't want to leave and be forgotten. We don't want to die, as that famous poem said, the second death. The first yeah. death is the death that you die. And the second death is when there's nobody left on the earth to speak your name. Mm. It's a very famous uh, poem about a man who walks past uh, graves and he hears the voices of the people under the ground lamenting that they're about to die the second death because the, the last of the people who are on earth who remember them are about to go and then there won't be anybody to speak their name. And if your name isn't spoken, you're no longer part of the universe. But that's not true. See, that's not true. And this is, I guess, the point of what I'm trying to say. Maury can't control what Rob does at this point. You and I can't control what our children are going to do or the people that we influence. I won't be able to tell Nadi, do this, do that, do this, do that. Don't make that decision. Don't marry that guy. Don't have that many children. She's going to make her own decisions in life. But I will be a part a part of who she becomes. And all of you will be a part of who your children become, how they behave, and how their children behave, mm -hmm. and so on and so on. A part, not the steering wheel. Yes, not the part whole. Of, part of the <laughs> chassis. Yeah. 
<laughs> part of the chassis, part of the body that moves along but doesn't control it. And that's the thing. We have to recognize that we can't steer it, but we can be a part of it. This is the famous Maury story about you're not a wave, you're part of the ocean. Yes. You know, yes, we all yes. think we're waves. We all think that we're so unique. So, you know, we have our own shape, we have our own style, we have the way that we flip and flop or whatever until we hit the shore and we stop existing. But then we don't stop existing for real. We go back into the ocean and we are part of this big, larger picture. And in that way, what we, the way that we flopped, the way that we flipped and flopped and moved about, that is what we did on Earth. And the way that we move the water around is what we did with our children. But eventually our children are going to be gone too. And their children are going to be gone and their children are going to be gone. We're all going to kind of float back into this ocean. And in some way we will have touched the whole world over time, but it's not going to be at our dictation. It's not going to be that we get to draw the map and we have to sort of recognize that, but, but also take solace in the fact that we are affecting the world, each one of us, in some way, by the people that we touch. So Maury is touching the world now through Rob. Rob wrote his own book about his father. You know, uh, Rob is in this world. Jonathan's in this world. They're talking about, you know, their dad. He's living on. There'll be people after them who will be able to do the same thing. Um, and so, you know, Maury is, 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 and I'm doing it for Maury, you know, and talking about Maury. So Maury lives on through these conversations, and that's all we're going to be able to do. So I guess that's the point that I'm trying to make in today's podcast is that if you're older or if you're thinking about your mortality and you have children, take both solace and comfort, but also a dose of reality that no matter how strong your desire is to sort of steer the world after you're gone, your hands aren't going to be on the wheel anymore. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, somebody that you touched, their hands will be on the wheel and they'll be steering it in part because of what you taught them, in part because of how close you were to them and the influence you made on them. Which is going to influence somebody that they touch, which is going to influence That's somebody right. that they touch, which is going to, so you That's never right. die. The ripples in the pond. That's yes. right. We go on and on and on. And uh, hopefully we can look at it positively that way. But as I said and have said many, many times, you must invest in those relationships if you want them to go on after you're gone. You can't have nothing to do with your kids and then expect that your kids are going to honor you, reflect you after mm -hmm. you're gone. Yep. You can't. So it's in every conversation, every act of kindness, Every piece of involvement that you do with your kids is shaping them in some way, shape, or form. And I remember things about my parents that I have passed on to our kids in Haiti and to Nadi that I bet you if they were alive today and I said, Mom, Dad, you remember the time that you told me this? They would probably say, honestly, no. no. <laughs> uh, it didn't stand out for me, you know, the way that it did for you. But it did for me. Yeah. It meant it, it, it made it made a, a you know, a, a mark. It left an influence and it, it did for me. And so I therefore have influenced other kids that way, you know. Yes. And, you know, I remember when my mother said to me, 
in, in life, I was asking her about friends or maybe I was lamenting not having enough friends or whatever. And she said, in your life, you're going to have maybe, maybe one or two really true, true, loyal, great friends. That's it. She said, and if you're lucky, you'll marry one of them. Ah. You know? And I have always lived by that dictum, but I bet if I asked her, do you remember when you told me that? She probably would say, well, it sounds like something I would say. Yeah. You know? exactly. So sometimes it, it, it rings a lot louder in our heads than it does with them. Yeah, yeah. I've had that happen with our kids in Haiti who have said to say, well, Mr. Mitch, you always said blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I did. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Do that. But I don't remember the exact moment that I said it. But that it's all part of influencing people. So we have to spend time with our kids, making memories with them so that we can live on after we're gone. That's how death ends a life, but not a relationship. You must invest in that relationship now. And I saw in Rob's smile and nodding head how much more he had invested in him over the years and how it still lives on in him. And it was a beautiful thing to see. And so I gave it some thought and I, I wanted to share that with you here today. That was lovely, Mitch. I hope so. Yes. In it any was case, great to meet Ma. I got to meet Rob too, by the way. Yeah, you hadn't met him a, before. Yeah. No, it was a huge treat. And I didn't even know he was there until you said, oh, and Rob Schwartz is here. And I was like, what? Yeah. And <laughs> so, he's, what he's been on our show. Yeah, yeah, he's been on our show. We've talked on email, but I've never, I've never really seen his face, yeah. you know? And so it was, a, it was a, a happy surprise. Yeah, it was nice. Well, we hope you can take that with you until we get a chance to talk again. Lisa Goich produces this program. We thank her for that. You can find out more about us at wetuesdaypeople.com on the web. Learn about previous shows, chat groups, etc. Until we get a chance to speak again, on behalf of Lisa Goich, I am Mitch Album saying, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday People.